Jen Harper is the founder and CEO of Cheekbone Beauty, a cosmetics line dedicated to championing the indigenous community through beauty and education. For more on Jen's journey from a charitable initiatives to even her future on Dragon's Den, stay tuned. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guest for today, Jen Harper. She is the founder and CEO of the inclusive cosmetics line Cheekbone Beauty. After noticing a huge lack of representation in beauty for the indigenous community, from the faces of the brands to the names behind the brands, Jen set out to create change with her own. Celebrating a culturally deep connection to nature, Cheekbone uses sustainably sourced ingredients and prioritizes giving back to the community with the goal of becoming zero waste by 2023. I especially love her mission of supporting Indigenous youth, supporting educational resources and funding for their future. She is the epitome of everything the beauty industry needs today and truly where it's heading, incorporating cultural traditions with Western sciences. And I'm so excited to sit down with her today to discuss just what she envisions for the future of Cheekbone Beauty. So Jen, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So I asked all my guests the same question. I'm going to ask you. Who, in a nutshell, is Jen? I am a mom. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a community member. I'm an Anishinaabe woman. Um, and Anishinaabe people are generally found around the Great Lakes area of North America. That's where we've lived for thousands of years. And I gratefully still live on that territory today. That's amazing. I mean, let, let's go into that a bit. So... I would love to know some of your initial, even, um, I guess, like earliest memories of beauty growing up, especially with your community. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was raised by my mom, mostly, and she's not indigenous. However, um, she did the best job that she could with the resources that she had to, to try to teach me about my culture and put imagery. Actually, I remember this painting she had found. It was a little indigenous girl dressed in regalia, which is um, sort of the, 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 the form of, of dress for powwows. Um, and she had a big picture of that on my bedroom wall growing up. But in terms of beauty, I think I always think of that when I, or thought of that when I was a kid as um, beauty in, in terms of the beauty industry. And so products and all of those things that would help us um, become more beautiful or, or so I thought when I was younger and my mom was definitely like a drugstore beauty shopper. So I um, like viscerally and, and sort of nostalgically can always remember like a cover girl palette, the scent, it always smelled like medicine or, or had this medicinal scent to it to me. Um, but those are real early childhood memories, of course, getting in, in, into the products and, 
and her not being happy about it. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. I think uh, my sister had the same thing, my parents do, and, and my mom. And uh, I think that's, that's, that is the way it should be. I mean, usually um, that's also a nice way to like, when my mom and my sister used to like, uh, I didn't obviously play with it at the time, but my sister used to have my mom's like steal my mom's makeup palettes and, and play with them. And I think it's those moments that you just start really appreciating um, beauty products from a very young age because it does enhance, it does make you feel more confident and powerful in a way. And, and that's all our goal is in, when creating brands is empowering people. Um, but I would love to get a little bit about, um, before we get into how Cheekbone Beauty started, I know you had uh, quite an extensive career as well. In for about eight years, right, at All Seas Fisheries Corp. Um, we'd love to know a little bit about sort of like your kind of a university college journey to then working in this company. Yeah, so I am not a student or, or I wasn't growing up. I really struggled in school um, to get like a C or a B was like just tremendous work. Um, looking back, I now realize I was probably not diagnosed with dyslexia, but um, struggle in that way. And my husband's the one that actually pointed out about 10 years ago, he's like, have you ever been tested for dyslexia? Because I really mixed up numbers and letters and words and stuff like that. And so really realizing like that was probably part of the problem. And then also I just discovered that like, I love learning, but probably not the way that they were teaching me in school. And it wasn't about subjects that I loved learning about. So I really struggled with school. I started at Ryerson University um, in Toronto and ended up dropping out of the business program. But it's interesting when I look back, like that's what I was drawn to was was business. Um, And then ended up moving back home and started my family really at a young age. I got married at 25 and had my son at 26. And so that became, I think, the most important part of my life in, in, in their early years. And then when I had to go back into the workforce, I had spent most of my work life in the hospitality industry. So working, um, we're in the Niagara region, which is the biggest wine region in Canada and working for like boutique style hotels. And so when I think about where I am today and the kind of customer experience I want to create, it really went back to my hospitality roots and thinking about just all of those incredible details that we would provide for customers in, in that industry. And whether it's their dining experience or their overnight stay experience, it was just about the experience in it itself and so definitely added a lot of that into building the brand and then I had a friend who worked at um, food distribution and they're like you know you would be great at sales you really should apply for this job and I was really nervous because I'm actually not much of an extrovert I really have a hard time with that but in in work settings I forced myself to do it um and so I applied ended up getting the job at Cisco which is a big broadline distribution company in North America all like hotels restaurants you see their trucks all over the continent um and worked for them for four years and then ended up leaving them to go to a specifically seafood organization called All Seas in Toronto and spent eight years there and was interestingly um, when I think about it, I was always passionate about sustainability. If you speak to any of my former chefs, most uh, clients, mostly chefs, they would say that I would literally be going to them with probably the most expensive products a chef could be selling. And of course, they have food costs and margins to meet. And they're like, what are you showing me this for? Um, but I was really passionate about thinking about changing this mindset 
and this narrative around how we consume anything. And for me at the time, it was food. And thinking about, you know, I was always really excited. There was, um, I had discovered this Arctic char that was coming from Nunavut. And, you know, and, and on in, in the natural way, like there's a seasonality for these fish. These are the ones we should be eating as human beings. So anyway, that's where my this passion I realize now developed for sustainably sourced ingredients and thinking about as consumers and now as a business, like we we really need to think about this, not just from a cost perspective. We need to think about it literally as like our futures as humanity. Like what are we really doing to make changes that are are, are in in essence going to help our our great, great grandchildren, which is, as I've learned in indigenous teaching. Exactly. And, and one thing I love, you know, as well, and that is I can really see that passion for sustainability even carry through to Cheekbone Beauty because you have this like really key word in your website, which is like, you know, sustainability with transparency. I think that's really important is transparency is a portal to like education, accountability, learning. Um, and I think that's the, the thing that we're missing in a lot of Corporates, even big corporates mainly, because obviously it's a bit scary to be transparent when you have to undo years of a lot of work. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. But especially for our new kind of new brands, we can definitely hold ourselves a bit more accountable and put standards in place a bit earlier on so we don't have to worry about a bit later. And I think that's really good that you've done that. So I, I can now, when I'm seeing that, I, I love answering these questions, right? Because I have to paint the picture for me. And for me, I'm like, okay, now it makes sense why you're so passionate and why you also have that kind of, I guess, um, good learnings from your previous work as well. Um, because you've also been awarded a lot of awards in this, in this area as well, which we'll talk about in a bit. But yeah. I was looking at your awards for this. I was like, oh my gosh, you must have a, ped- a, like a pedestal of that, <laughs> which is amazing. But we'll go to that in a bit. But I do now want to talk about the birth of, I know you, you, have, you have children, but you have another baby, which is Cheekbone Beauty. Um, and it was founded in 2016, is that correct? Or 20? Correct. Am I wrong? No, so, yeah, 2016. Tell us about that, because I know it must have been a few years in the making, obviously, with ideation, and it doesn't happen overnight. So. Yeah, so in in that time period, this is when D2C, or direct-to-consumer brands, were becoming so popular. Um, and it's, it's funny, when I look back, because I thought, we launched in November 26, 2016, and you think, like, oh, wow, are we ready for this? Well, like, no one's coming to my website, by the way. Like, nobody. Like, my mom and my aunties, that's who showed up. <laughs> um, but the behind the story is, yeah, no experience in the beauty industry. So I am selling fish, but I'm really open and transparent, even about my personal life, which I never thought I would be. I was an alcoholic for many years and I got sober November 26, 2014. And literally it's crazy. It always blows my mind when I get to talk about this. Cause I look back sometimes and I'm like, wow, this is like, how did this happen? So it's January, 2015. I'm like, dead of the night, pop out of bed. I had just had this dream and I very rarely remember dreams. And I always chuckle because people think because I'm native or indigenous that this was like a vision, right? I'm like, no, this was just like a real in the middle of the night dream. So there was these native little girls and they had their brown little skin and rosy little cheeks. 
and they were just covered in lip gloss. And that's what the dream was. But at the same time, you're at this wild intersection of my life. So newly sober, which anybody who's been through this journey knows that that's really hard. And you're learning about yourself and living on like life's terms and not your own. And and, and um, I also was learning about my grandparents' experience at what is now known as the residential or boarding school system. And so what that means is when the when, when Europeans found this beautiful continent called North America, there was a whole bunch of people living here prior to that. It's this great land. They've discovered it. Well, the government officials and religious leaders at the time saw our people probably as a threat to this gorgeous continent. And then at the same time, um, really wanted to figure out how to work, work with our communities. And I think this idea of assimilation, and, and that's what these schools were designed for. So both of my grandparents put in this school system, and it's not a loving school system. We have to remember now we've learned the facts, like bodies across North America, Native children's bodies, thousands of them. We're at 10, I believe it's around 10,000 now, because they've actually been excavating them over the last couple of years with unmarked graves. Right. Like this is not like we're digging up bodies that somebody knew where they were. These were children's bodies that have forcibly been made to disappear. And so this is the school system my grandparents went through and many first peoples of North America um, and learning that actually globally this, there's other systems that looked very similar, but it was the same idea. And so learning that this is what my grandparents went through and discovering that I used to think and be so ashamed of my alcoholism and my family. I would look at this and be like, why is my dad's family? Why are we so all dysfunctional? Like what the hell happened? Well, learning about this, this, this genocide or generational trauma, there's actually words that are around it now. And, and I, when I, when you can word and name things, that's when like this, the healing for me began. So this is all happening and I have this dream and I'm, you know, working my job selling seafood. And I'm like, yeah, it was so real. I was like, okay, totally. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to figure out how to make a lip gloss. And I wanted to take a portion of those profits and use it to support my community and help tell this story that helped change my life, essentially. Like once I knew the truth, I was like, okay, this narrative about our people all being alcoholics, that can change because now I can tell them the why and the how and then show them the possibility of like what building the life of your dreams really can look like when, you, when you're in the driver's seat and you understand who you are and where you're coming from. And, and amazingly, so grateful for years of therapy and still go to therapy all the time because I think it's so important to understand ourselves. And as leaders and as people building businesses, someone said something to me early on and it was really powerful that I should be working harder on myself every day than I am working on cheekbone. And I have to do that. Obviously sobriety is a big part of that for me, but that was the beginning days of cheekbone. And then just spent 2015, 2016. Um, I read like over a hundred books over those, that two year period before launching the brand one about entrepreneurs building a business. Cause I had no idea about any of those things. And then two, I was reading books more about my culture and learning more about who I was and where I came from. And the results have been incredibly beautiful and powerful um, in, in the sense that I've been able to reconnect. I feel finally whole as a human being, um, accepting both sides of who I am and where I come from and understanding that my Indigenous roots 
have, there's so much power in knowing that, like realizing now, okay. And I've said this many times before, like indigenous people are truly these OGs of sustainability. Um, if we look globally around the world, it's indigenous people around the world are protecting 80% of the world's biodiversity, yet we only make up 5% of the population. So that Amazon rainforest, what's happening in Australia, or if there's things happening in New Zealand and in, you know, um, uh, fish farming and waterways and pipelines, You'll see it in the media. Who's protecting that? And, and then I started to think about, okay, why? Why is that? And then the more conversations I would have with my dad, who lives on our family's reservation, I truly became so familiar and was able to understand. And it's number one, why did I innately have this desire to do things sustainably, right? I, and I've discovered that this is innately within our people and within our culture. Um, it was last spring. This is the best story I can just, the way I can describe this. My dad's talking to me on the phone and he's like, our cousins are coming over. And I'm like, Oh, who? And he's like, Bruce Rodney. And I'm like, and I'm like, who naming these people? And he's like, no, Jen, the, 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 the bears are coming out of its spring. The bears are coming out. Right. And he's like deadpan and I'm like giggling. And then I was like, Oh my God, I get it. That whole concept. And when I hear these people, when, when I hear, like leaders within our communities talking about that we're in relationship with all things. That's truly what it is. That's being in relationship mm -hmm. with all living things. Cause that's how we really feel. So it, the idea of protecting it is just innately within us. Thank you for all of those wisdoms as well throughout that kind of, um, I guess I could say uh, narration of how cheekbone came to be, because there's like, there's so many important facts of like, a, making sure you, you know, you put in the work, read books, because if you don't know, there's ways to learn. There's so there's an abundant supply of knowledge out there that you can take advantage of, whether it's asking people, maybe some courses, maybe reading. You have to find what's best for you. But definitely, I love the most important thing, which I'm going to take now, and, and I'll give credit to you when I tell it to people, is invest in yourself more than you do your business. I think that's very important, you know. I, I have to remind myself three years in now, thinking... I sometimes over, you know, I put the, I put my sleep in the backbone or my stress in front of me and just for the business needs, right? Uh, it's very easy to do that. It's actually a lot harder to take a step back and think about what's best for me, Akash, and not Akash as a CEO. Mm. It's very, very important. Um, but I would love to know a little bit about how the name Cheekbone was chosen because naming is not easy, number one. We have this whole array of like, more and more we go into it, it's like trademarks, but in all global markets and you have like, you know, your, your Instagram names and we have TikTok and then you think of all these channels and what was your thought process on Cheekbone Beauty? Yeah. So I, again, probably without like any experience, there was no, like, I think strategic way of doing this. I'm like, I'm like listening to your podcast and hearing all these founders that have worked for incredible organizations and you yourself. And I'm like, I don't even know how I'm doing this or why, how this happened, but um, I think it's passion sometimes. Can and be that's just the most val important. valuable, right? It is. Yep. <laughs> so I'm, love podcasts always have and I was listening to one of the founder the, the founder of Spanx you know the women's undergarment company mm, Sarah Blake yeah, yeah such an inspiration and totally inspired by her work but she talked about how when she was naming Spanx she was looking for words with the K sound because the K is memorable 
and comedians use it on for that reason. And I was like, okay. And this is like nine months into me developing and marketing and market research and all that stuff. And so I'm driving when you're in sales for when I was still in sales, I was did so much driving. So that's where all your like thinking time happens. And I was like, okay, the K sound. And then one day I just like the word cheekbone popped in my head and I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is it. This is the word. I absolutely love cheekbones on every human being that I meet. It's a facial feature that I've always adored, um, no matter who you are. And then I'm, I'm, you know, if you think of like the, the, the traditional stoic native American statues, like there were just known as native people having high prominent cheekbones. I get home that night and I'm like looking up the research on cheekbones and in it, and it said people with cheek, higher cheekbones are perceived as more trustworthy. And I'm like, as a new brand, would it not a better way to, to start this off with people? Um, and so picked this word cheekbone, not realizing how hard that would be to trademark. It's an actual word. No one's ever going to trademark the word. Um, but we were able to trademark it with our logo beside it. And so that worked for us. Um, and so our, yeah, that's, that's where it all came from. I get asked that question a lot, but, um, it's funny how you can have this whole brand idea and vision in your head and have no name for it. <laughs> yeah. it's. it's just, I love even like the idea of like, um, there's so much power in purpose and passion. And like for you, I think a lot of the steps has been like, not that, um, overthinking it or like has to be like, not too like boardroom meeting. It's like literally less boardroom meeting. It's more like nighttime dreaming, which I love. And then literally you, you figure it out. And that's actually the secret sauce to, I think, creating the best brand of tomorrow that people haven't seen. It's new, it's fresh, it's authentic. Is having that just like, just do it, go with the flow. Everything will fall into place. Of course, now as you build and there are certain things. You need strategy. We need strategy. <laughs> you can outsource that too. Even me, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll hire someone to put me accountable sometimes because I need to sometimes be told uh, like, um, okay, don't spend that or think about this. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. That's yeah. a good feedback. Um, but the top level thinking is so important to just push forward, right? And not feel... Um, yeah, not feel limited because building a brand shouldn't feel limited. You know, it should be limitless. And that's very important. Um, so Cheekbone Beauty, okay, was launched. The, the name was there. Now tell us about products. I know you talk about the blush, uh, so lip gloss, but tell us like what were the first few products that you were launching with? So I think using Google is a very powerful tool, but I was literally searched what were the top three beauty products in at that time in 2015 2016 and lipstick is i think always a top search um in specifically in color cosmetics that category and contouring thanks to the kardashians was massive back then and so Mm -hmm. and brows those were like the three so those were the first three products but so and then discovering that oh my goodness because of like white and private label this it didn't feel as challenging, I think, as my friends and family would have assumed. They're like, you're starting a cosmetics company. Like, what do you know about manufacturing? And it's really interesting that in the early days, I was like, well, this is how everyone, you know, is doing it. And then as we've grown, just realizing, okay, that is not going to work forever because the the route that we had took was the most affordable route. Um, And unfortunately, meeting with Sephora and their expertise, they were like, look, we love the whole concept and the idea, 
but we need to up your game in the products. And what you have right now is not going to cut it and befriending and really taking um, full advantage of the relationship with the Canadian VP of merchandising here, Jane, I would like tell her and I had her contact and I'd be like, okay, what about this? What about this? And then we finally were able to uh, transform our brand like from top to bottom. And it really became interesting because this, the, the private labeler that I was working with, they wouldn't tell me anything ever. And yeah, I was so suspect about that, number one. And I'm new to the end, like, so where do you get this mica? And nobody would tell me anything. And that became so frustrating. And then I have no money at all and uh, have this idea of, like, what would sustainable color cosmetics look like? And it was really expensive. And so I had to figure mm. out how I was going to finance that. And at the same time, this incredible social impact investment fund was launching here in Canada. Um, and it was Indigenous. And they're based out of Vancouver, mm. Canada. And I met, I was on a panel where one of their founders was in the audience. And he came up to me after and he's like, I'm Jeff and we're starting this. It's not really there yet but I think you're one of the brands we want to invest in. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know what any of this investment world meant. And that was this, that has been a whole nother side of the journey, but then finding someone who believes in me, I am an, like, I'm not a nobody. I get that. I'm a, I'm a wonderful yeah. human being, but I am a nobody. I'm not a celebrity. I have no experience in the beauty space. No regular VC would ever even invest in our brand. And so I just think sometimes timing in history um, is, is, is how things happen and how they wonderfully work out. Cause it probably without the, the support of Raven Capital, our, our investors still at this moment, um, we wouldn't have been able to do what we've done because I decided, I'm like, you know what? We were working with contract chemists and contract labs in that first stage of trying to make this sustainable product. And there was a point where I was just like, I've had enough. I'm building a lab. Yeah. And who says that when they don't even know anything <laughs> about science? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's crazy, yeah. So, so with that you know, the, the, you said that definitely. I hundred percent agree. I think like being at the right place, right time, and just this kind of you know the, everything colliding and, and aligning in the right place. But also, there is that initial work of you putting it out there, right? You going and speaking about it. Um, I think a lot of people might have these ideas completely lost, don't know where to start, and they keep it in here. And I think sometimes it's finding the right places, not always, not everywhere. You've got to be careful. Someone can take your idea. Someone can, you know, demotivate you even by saying it's impossible, just give up. You need to know the right avenues to start diffusing that into the universe to then let people be attracted to your energy. And I think what it was is you probably spoke so articulately with such a clear mission and then you attracted the energy that came. So I think a lot of it is, yes, timing, but you as well, right? And I think that's very important um, for everyone to know that it's it's possible. I think it's such a it's an amazing story to hear. Well, and too, I'm I'm glad you said that because I asked when our investors, I'm like, you know, one of those weeks where we're really struggling, and uh, one of the founders, Stephen, he said, "We invested in you, Jim, not necessarily exactly. the brand." And I was like, oh, "Whoa!" And I think it's important for other entrepreneurs to hear that. Like, it's if if, yeah. if you're passionate about and it, founders. Yeah, yeah, and you believe in it, and um, it's amazing what can happen. It truly is. 
And there's no blueprint for the type of story, right? You don't have to have this childhood. Um, okay, it was it was I was born with a like a, a pilot in my hand. I yeah. had to create a pilot later. Like you hear these stories. Sure, some of them make great marketing stories. Okay, yes. But I love how real and raw you have been, like in this whole podcast as well, because it's like it just shows like you can go from a very different industry, you can go from just an idea overnight, and then just step by step figure it out. It's actually the most, I think, relatable way of building a brand for most people out there. And I think, um, but at the same time, it's again, all solar systems around you. And I think that's the most beautiful part and tether that to invest in yourself the most. Um, it's, it's, it's actually, there's a reason for that because you are also the brand, right? You are everything around it. So you have to put yourself first. And um, anyone listening, just remember those words, no matter where you are, at with your journey and even if you haven't even if you're working for a company not even thinking about creating a brand if you ever do you know those are wise words to kind of remember so i love that but okay so we know about the initial product launches and then just you go actually pause on that one comment you made did you end up creating a lab oh, no. <laughs> yes so this is what i'm t- i'm sitting at our headquarters which used to be in my basement <laughs> Now we're um, literally, I think it takes me half an hour to walk here, which I do every single day and walk back to get my steps. But um, I, uh, we built a lab in 2020. We employ a full-time chemist and then we contract now sustainability yeah. scientists. And, um, and then with our partners, um, in, whether in Italy or Canada, that's where our stuff is made. Um, our chemist, Lexi, works with their chemist team. And it's really because I just, I didn't know enough about the industry. Remember that. So I wanted, I've literally spent these last few years, like just diving into like the science side of things and like, okay, can things really be done? And then learning and working with Lexi every single day and understanding, well, this is why that, that wouldn't work together. Or this is why this will work together. Or could we try this? And so, yes, we have a lab now. We've actually been the recipients of over $500,000 in innovation grants. And what I want to tell you about, and I'm most excited that it's this project we're working on. So as mentioned, we're in Niagara wine country. So we're working on this project with a hybrid grape varietal that's only found in our area of the world. And we're taking the waste of the, the skins, stems and seeds and extracting active ingredients from those that'll go into our future foundation that we're actually working on in our lab right now, which is so crazy. Again, remember like no experience. <laughs> How does this happen? Some days I'm not even sure. Um, but the reality is it's just this whole concept for us for sustainability is we're really, really serious about it. Like, I'm like, how can we become a part of this circular economy? How can we upcycle ingredients? And I knew it was possible thanks to organizations like Caudalie in France, because they've been doing this forever, yes. right? I, I know the, the university that we're working with on this and they're doing the extractions because we don't have, that's like a $50,000 piece of, we have some really expensive machinery in our lab, but just not that, that machine that will do the extracting. And um, the university that it's working with us they're like this is amazing this is working and I'm like of course it's working totally already did it <laughs> right but I'm like the cool thing about our story is the grape varietal is only available here in the Niagara region nowhere else which is really awesome and so it is a hybrid and part of the hybrid um is that 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 fruit has been on this land for thousands of years versus being imported by 
by Europeans, which is just a, a neat story to tell along with this active ingredient when we finally make it, um, which is, yeah, fascinating to me. And so not only does Lexi work with our, with our big suppliers and fillers, we get to do these really cool projects in-house. Because I thought about it in the sense that, like, what is going to, and thanks again to Sephora. Sephora is just an incredible organization that just helps you yeah. want to be better. And they know the industry better than anybody else. Exactly. They have the data <laughs> as well. Yeah. Exactly. And so they're, like, just constantly thinking about innovation. And so that's where my focus as, as the leader has been is, like, oh, how can we just truly get more and more innovative? And that's comes to the raw ingredients that we use and source and then also on the side of packaging and so I'd never thought we would be like making molds and stuff like that and working with really cool packaging but we're working with Pila I know we're not the only brand that gets to do that but they it's a compostable material and so yeah. we're we're working on a mold to make something with them at the moment and then other uh, other fun stuff too so it's really expensive journey so expensive yeah but, but so worth, worth it. it, so worth it, yeah. No, I love that. And, I, and what I also love is everything that you've done, you said, you probably either yourself or others around you said, you're crazy, that's so expensive, what? But you've ended up doing it, do you know what I mean? So like you found ways to just like, you know, you, you cultivate an idea and you make it happen. I love that because at the end of the day, that's just being so integral to um, I guess what you want to create because we know as founders there's so much of stuff out there cosmetics hair this and you know actually some of the best ways to to grow a business say look you don't if you have an already an amazing product go for it like you don't need to change it right but what's missing and what can we be that you know adds value to your arsenal of beauty products but also makes you more connected to it and one thing you do as well is apart from the definitely the formulations good price point great distribution with Sephora you also give back and I think that's a really big way to connect you know products to emotion to then your yeah. end recipient so can you tell us a little bit about the work you do with the relevant the, the various organizations um, that you work with yeah. So like you just said, I knew after that dream, when I thought about the whole mm. industry, that the world didn't need another lipstick brand. It's certain like you walk, you walk into a beauty store and it's just clear there's way too, there's so many there. It, it, did, it didn't need one. And, but what it did need was this brand that was representing an underrepresented community and supported the underrepresented community. And that's what I knew we brought to the space and what we could offer. And that was just the early days. Our, our sustainability and innovation side of things is just something extra that we've gotten to work on in order to actually think about how we're going to competitively stay in the, in this marketplace. And those early days were really powerful in the sense that I thought a lot about my childhood. I thought a lot about not even fully knowing the power of representation. And I believe now as a brand, we are getting to do this on this psychographic level. Like the fact that the messages we receive from indigenous youth is phenomenal. Like the fact that they get to see themselves um, and in, in a way that they've never felt before. And then even um, women in my community, like business women were like, I had no idea how much I needed cheekbone beauty. And I was, and, mm -hmm. and these made me think so much deeper about this idea and concept of representation and how powerful it truly is. I actually say it saves lives. Part of my brand story and part of my personal story and where this passion comes from is a, actually a 
it is tragedy. Like I lost my brother BJ to suicide in the early days of building the brand, which was mm. honestly the most painful thing I had so to sorry. experience. Yeah. And which the sad truth about this though, is from it all stems to the whole residential school system and this generational trauma. Um, the results of that are addiction and suicide. And, and sadly, first people, first people, our youth have the highest rates of suicide than any other group in North America, especially our kids in the North. And um, the more I learned about that, the more I became even more passionate about continuing because this was September of 2016. I launched the online brand in, in November of 2016, but I shared the concepts and the idea and how we wanted to build with my brother while he was still alive. But it was certainly realizing that, okay, this has to go on because what he did tell me was, Jen, our kids need hope and they need help. And, and our brand was going to have the ability to do this. And um, it wasn't until you saw the billboard in the Eaton Center. So when I was a little girl, I used to go to the Eaton Center with my dad. I grew up in native public housing. So we were like really poor. And I would go there or we would go there on the weekends just to spend time together. But of course, I think as a little girl, I always loved shopping and just being in the Eaton Center as a child, you're like, oh, wow, like it's so big and awe-inspiring. But never did I ever, ever think that someone like me could have a brand that would be working with a store like Sephora. Like those thoughts never even crossed my mind. And so in June, we did this event with Sephora in the Eaton Center and their customers were sharing our blush products with them and applying them. And this little girl who was indigenous came to the event and showed up with her mom and her brother. And she was like 12 years old and just so spunky and was telling me about like her TikTok career and how she like had to shut it down because she was getting to just the cutest little thing. Right. And then I'm driving home that night and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. She will never not imagine herself being whatever the heck she wants because she just saw somebody that looked like her doing it. Yeah. So can you imagine like, the future that she may have. So I think the power of our brand is like, it hasn't even like come to fruition yet. Do you know what I mean? Like these are yeah. kids now that who knows what this next generation is going to be able to accomplish because they're seeing people that look like them. No, I, and honestly, thank you for sharing this, the, the, the story. And, and as well, um, I think what you said is, is, there's parts of, you know, when I hear these, I'm like, yeah, but like, why, why is, why are you the first? There should be more. But I'm like, there's no time to think about that. It's actually just like, you're doing it. Yeah. And now going forward, 100%, like, I know there is going to be so many, not only are you going to pave the way for more and you made the barriers to entry. I say this from a business sense, right? Retailers will be like, oh, it's proven concept. It's not a tick in the box. It's actually a good business model. It's a marketable model. We should have more brands like this. It's exactly the same for Fable and Maine. We're the first like Ayurvedic brand at Sephora and Indian hair brand at Sephora. And then also like my mind is like, uh, India is known for their hair. 95% of the world's wigs are even Indian hair. Like why are we the first in Sephora? But at the same time, I'm like, and I, and I can tell you, like my first market meetings was amazing, but a lot of the first conversations were like oh you should definitely launch first and this like these stories have a really big Indian population I'm like okay yeah but I'm inspiring Indians but I'm not creating just just for Indians like they're gonna be they're formulated for everyone to enjoy so my my main target is not South Asians um so, so you feel like, you understand our, exactly I know exactly oh. and now they're like they they're like two years later they see the business see the results and they're like 
they're actually getting a lot more Ayurvedic brands, a lot more. And I remember, actually, it was one thing that they told me at the beginning, and I said something quite interesting, and they probably didn't expect it. They said, oh, um, don't worry, you'll be like doing the Ayurvedic brand. So, you know, we'll, you know, you don't stress about that. Like, you know, you know, you won't have competition. You'll be our focus. And I said, no, like, I don't want to be the only Ayurvedic brand. The point is, is put more on the, the plate. You know, this is, I don't, I don't worry about that. Again, no col- more collaboration, less competition. That's me. Um, but like, that shouldn't be a word uttered out of someone's mouth, you know? Um, but I, I get their, their, their intent, right? Their intent was of a good place. But I meant it more like, um, I'm not a tick box. I'm not one. There is a market need for this. And I hopefully, have you felt like you've had similar conversations with, you know, a lot of different stakeholders? Yeah, uh, it's tons of education. Like, so it's exactly. constant education and just con- and reaffirming to myself that they're just, they, they, they'll see it when it's happening. And I think we are, um, but it's, it's a process and it's not going to happen overnight. And they're going to see the power of, of how much representation matters. And I, I truly believe we're in a shift in society where they're understanding yeah. that we all need to see ourselves, no matter who or where we come from um, in, in any, in all capacities in, in terms of mass media. And I, I'm, I'm grateful that that's happening. It's definitely happening. And, that Eaton's Eaton Centre billboard, oof, that was, uh, I mean, it, it even nearly brought me to a tear. Like, it was so beautiful, I'm telling you, like, just to see that. And uh, it was, what a great location as well. So you should be, that is something that, I mean, I, on my journey of building a brand, that's still resonating there, I can tell you. And that was actually what led me to DM you, right? And get you to hopefully to come on the podcast. It was, that's how powerful these things can be. Billboards are powerful. <laughs> Billboards are powerful. And, uh, and, and especially yours, like I see a lot, but I don't stop and watch and take photos. Um, of, and that one was amazing. So oh, thank you. Yeah, really, really, really proud and happy for you. Um, but so kind of the next, I guess, what is the future for you for Cheekbone Beauty? Uh, where would you like it to go in the next couple of months, years? Yeah, so we're really working hard right now on U.S. Um, distribution with a U.S. retail partner. Um, we haven't signed anything yet, so I won't share the details. No. But um, up and coming in, at the end of this year, we should be found in some stores in the in the U.S. So that's our goal. We have we have a strong U.S. customer base from our D to C, and now we just want people who are you know buying color cosmetics is not easy online and there there is there is the customer that really wants to try things and so we know we needed to be uh, accessible to that customer exactly that's very important and i want to also ask about um also, as a founder, keen to learn and hopefully do these things. I know the one percent for the planet and B Corp certified. <sighs> What's the the situation there? Oh, something that I'm so proud of become a B Corp certified brand. Um, it was wow. so it would it took a year, and we're a small brand. I know. I believe. There's larger brands that have tried the process and it's taken like three years. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of brands who are say, don't do it till you're bigger. So I just, I'm listening very closely I, and I might ask for your help later. This I would amazing. suggest doing it when you're newer because it is certainly a yeah. lot easier because the bigger you get, the bigger your um, supply chain, everything is, everything yeah. is bigger. So 
I think that's what um, I think the reason why we push so heavily to do it early is, is, and then the whole concept and the organization is incredible because what it's now done is have us work on a platform of providing constant data and metrics for our customer of only how we can get better because you're really, it's a grading system, right? Um, and you're going to, and you're only, and you can really only get better once you, once you, figure out where you are. So what, what B Corp allowed us to do the whole entire process was figure out where we are. Yay. We passed, we've become a B Corp. Um, but then you're given a number and then now I only want to shoot higher as a brand. And that's where you have to be honest and transparent with yourselves and your community about sustainability and how it truly is a journey. It is not a destination. Um, and exactly. And there's, I think right now in university, there's some brilliant minds that are probably going to develop the next best thing that's going to help all of us. Um, And knowing that that's going to just constantly be, be the nature of things. And for us, um, it's about partnering and finding those, those incredible organizations that are trying to do work when it comes to packaging, when it comes to the kind of dye that goes on print and all of those things. Like, I mean, you know, there's so much to to come, but I knew that we had to start in the early days when I was shipping from my basement. I was like, okay, I'm not comfortable with this mailer. How can I get a paper one? And just, I always encourage a a, a founder and an entrepreneur, just, you can start small and don't, you just have to be comfortable with that and realizing and be honest, like, okay, we're going to start this. Um, and it, 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 you have to pick a point where to start. No, I'm going to, a, pick your brains later. We'll do a couple of Zooms just if you don't mind. Yeah, because absolutely. I'm so inspired. I even, um, and, and generally speaking, I love the fact that you also said, yes, it's a journey. It's not a destination. And it's really important that even having some of those numbers, right? Just to hold yourself accountable to uh, gamify it a bit, right? We all like that. Like, I, I want to get a higher percentage or whatever it is. So it's very true. Um, I love that. So. so we as an organization, every department, we all have a number. That's your target for everything, right? Like, and and it's just a way to make sure that we're all keeping ourselves account- accountable. And I think for us, our B Corp number is now our overall, that's my job as the CEO to make sure we maintain that number. Cause not only is B Corp about environmental impact, it's about your social impact and your employee's life. Like are we, we pay a living wage to every single employee. Right. And that means for the area of the world that you live in, that you're actually paying them more than the minimum and a living wage is able to provide an actual lifestyle for people that work for your organization. And so B Corp is so much more about just the environment, but it's also a big portion of social. And so when you, the organizations that we've constantly given back to within our indigenous community, they're really focused on education. So that was our whole mission is like, how can we support Indigenous youth and their education in any way, no matter what that looks like? And we, because I personally am passionate about education and I truly feel that it is a way out of um, poverty. It's a way out of being marginalized. Um, And you, when you have knowledge, you know, the real fun part comes to when you start applying that in your life in some shape or form. And that's truly the, the, where the wisdom part comes from. Um, And so we're, I'm hoping that that's what we get to do with our, with our brand is teach our next generations that there, there's so many opportunities for them and we want to support that. And businesses have such an opportunity to find ways to give back to community. 
couldn't say it better myself. That's so, so, so true. So thank you for that. Well, I'm going to go into fire round questions in a bit, but I have a desert island sort of situation for you. So you're invited to found a beauty retreat, but I'm being really strict. And I'm saying, Jen, you can only bring one product with you from Cheekbone Beauty. What's your go-to? Oh my goodness. Like I knew this was coming and I'm still, not, I'm still not prepared because you know how hard is it to pick one? Okay. I know. I would pick our complexion pencils because they are like hands down my favorite. Yeah. But can you also like, um, just for a couple of minutes, can you just paint a picture of all your current range today? Yeah. So we started with lips. So we do lips, glosses, lipsticks, and not only a bullet lipstick, but a, a liquid lipstick and lip liners. Those were like our, our first sort of claim to fame was our lipsticks. And then secondly, we, 2020, uh, knew we had to make eye products when the pandemic started because we were predominantly a lip brand. Um, and we started working on our eye category, which was really challenging for me because I struggle with um, allergies when it comes to makeup. And so I'm really proud that we've made most of our products are like 100% skin safe, meaning um, nice. they don't have any ingredients that cause allergies, which is generally fragrance, unfortunately, for some some people. Um, so we moved to the eye category and we have eyeliners, eyeshadows. Um, all of our pencil products come in sustainably sourced cedar wood. And the whole purpose was that because when you sharpen a pencil um, without this being plastic now, we're just making wood shavings. They can go in your garden. They completely disappear. So what I love about all of our pencil products is that they're gone once we've, once we've used them. They're not lasting forever anywhere. And then yeah. mascara, a brow product, and then we did complexion. So these are the, our face complexion pencils are literally designed to uh, be a foundation, a contour, a highlighter, a concealer, whatever the customer needs it for, and really be a multitasking product. And then we launched powders for um, mattification, as well as blush, bronzers, contour powders. Mm, I love that. So well, we have a yeah, full well, face range. You have a whole, I'd like to say you have a whole range that everyone can enjoy, but will you, um, you're going to continue obviously with uh, amazing MPD in the next couple of months as well, right? So just keep on growing the categories. Exactly. Amazing. Well, I'll, I'll put the link in, in the summary so everyone can go check out the website as well. So you can go see the whole array, but now it's time for, you know, some, I think you've already, you've listened to a few of the podcasts, so you know, <laughs> but it's going to be time for some fire round questions. So the first question. What's another beauty brand that you're currently loving? And it could be another color brand. It could be any brand. Yeah. So color brand that I love, another one is Say. The, they oh, have she's amazing. Laney. incredibly branding. I'm like a huge, like just fangirl of their branding, but they're like illuminating. Um, fate. I don't know. I never remember all the names of people's stuff, but they have this illuminating um, primer highlighter thing that I'm obsessed with. I, yeah. So huge fan of that brand. Yeah, no, I agree. And she's, uh, she, fun fact, she was actually my first ever recording on founded beauty. Oh, no way. Yeah. I did listen yeah. to it, but I didn't know that was your first. Yeah. yeah so cool. I, I, I posted a bit later, but she was my, my first and I posted a bit later cause I got a bit more time to edit because as you know, with the first ever recording, there's all these like issues with my editing and all that <laughs> stuff. So I was like, I should have recorded it in a better room. I should have recorded it quieter. It was you amazing. It was oh, great. great. <laughs> um, what's another, what's, no, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? 
Uh, guilty pleasure in Canada. We have these chips that are called ketchup chips. So it's like a chip, like so a crisp, good. but they're ketchup. It's my favorite. Like I obsessed. I eat way too many. So, <laughs> so good. I've also got to learn a few other like very dangerously yummy and addicting things in Canada. For example, I started to get from, um, uh, like tip, tippets. No, tip, oh, tip, 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 I am currently reading, um, oh my goodness, and, I'm, and I can't finish it. It's a book called I Love Mondays by actually a local writer. His name is Dakota, and he gave me his book. And it, it was, I think it was, it's basically about transforming how you feel about Monday, which was not hard for me. Um, but I told him I would read his book, so I did, and I'm in the middle of that one right now. Because um, he actually wants to work on a documentary with us. So anyway, that will be fun oh, to see how amazing. whatever happens there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not Thank watching you. anything. I'm totally not a... What I will rewatch is like Friends episodes when I'm like need to yeah, like, just say, like throwbacks. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, next question: Do you have a favorite social media platform right now? My favorite is TikTok. Like I'm just totally one of the people that are sitting there staring and scrolling at all of the TikToks that are happening. And really, it's it's pretty selfish because it's as a brand trying to figure out. Like, how does this work? <laughs> exactly. How do we blow it's, up it's on TikTok? It's dangerous as a founder because, like, we, I convince myself, I'm like, I'm on TikTok for market research, finding the best new trends, best new creators. But then also I'm, like, watching half the time, like, cats being cute. And I'm yes, like... Yes, the, the like, cutest you know? cat videos. Yeah. Uh, today I watched a video of a little dog um, pausing and then farting on the cat. Oh my God. It was like the cutest thing. It was like 2 million likes. And I was like, this is what I needed to burn up my day. But then I kept on watching it like 10 times. (laughs) I was like, I need to stop. (laughs) But it's so funny. That is so cute. It's my fave. Um, Next question. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra? Oh, um, I believe in like, I really like empower myself by saying things like talking about no excuses, right? Like I have no excuses. I have no excuses. And one of the things I repeat constantly is if I do not give up, I cannot fail. So just like to continue to, to continue to help myself, just keep moving forward. Right. If I don't give up, it's not going to (laughs) fail. I love that. And that kind of also answers like when you put your mind to it, no matter how big or small, no matter people saying, no, you've done it. And I think that's a good mindset to have. And I understand why the, you've done it because you've got that mindset. So that's good to know. And my last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, um, or let's say also you weren't working in your, you know, your old company as well, what would you be doing right now? Well, here's the interesting thing about that. I think I would want to be in beauty. And I've shared this story a long time ago, and I still can't believe it. But when I started at that first sales job at Cisco, they asked us yeah. in a questionnaire, 
you know, and it's my first day at this job. And I'm like, the, the question was, what is your dream job or dream role? And um, I wrote without having any inkling of cheekbone beauty to be the CEO of a major cosmetics brand. Um, what? I know I get goosebumps when I, cause I still that can't believe such, I wrote that. That is, so, you need to like find a way to like bring that into like content or something. I, I is, reached out on so... LinkedIn to my training development manager, Jane Bartlett. Did I get it for you? She said, Jen, I retired five years ago. <laughs> Find out the, who the, go back into it. Tonight, yeah. After this podcast, you're going to go back and say, okay, can you find some contact and get that. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That's so amazing. now I love as a hobby, I love interior design. We just renovated our house over the last mm-hmm. four years. And so it's something that I, I think it's cause you get to be creative. Right. And so yeah, that would right. be a passion, but at this point in time, I'm doing my dream job. That's it. I love that answer. But I also, I kind of, I am so similar to you in the sense of like, I've just renovated my flat and um, it's like selfishly. I, and sometimes I, I sometimes think, should I have hired an interior designer? Because I love the process. I love the power of Pinterest and just being creative. Yes! Suppliers and stuff, you know? I'm like, I just did it myself. Um, and it becomes so much more like meaningful. So yes. I completely get it. And then when you do it yourself, and yes, you know, it's, it's hard because half the time you've got to decide from just online, right? You're like taking the risk. Okay, it's, I'm going to take the plunge and just order it. Let's see yeah. what it looks like. Um, and it's countless tabs open and this and that. But you kind of think, I could do this. I could yeah. do this for a living. Yeah. 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 I love I it. You. I love it. I feel you. Well, it's been such an honor and pleasure having you, Jen, on the podcast. It's been truly one of my most favorite, I say this generally from the heart, one of my most Aww. favorite episodes I've ever recorded. And I just, I know we're going to continue having each other in our lives. We're going to hopefully meet in person very soon. I need to come back to Canada or, you know, you come to London. But in the meantime, yes. where can everyone find yourself and Cheekbone Beauty on socials? Yeah, we're at Cheekbone Beauty on all the platforms and we are cheekbonebeauty.com and at Sephora Canada. Whoops. Exactly. <laughs> I almost forgot. Yeah, yeah. Almost. <laughs> and we're going, yeah, I'm really that. excited because we're going into, by next February, I think we'll be in 40 more stores here in Canada, which is exciting for us. Yeah. I, and just to grow in this Sephora Canada family, they're amazing. Like when every time I, oh. I speak to any of the merchants, any of the education team, they're just like, like there's something about Sephora Canada. I work with all retailers around the world, but like Sephora Canada. So we're like, Canadian. I think we're really known I for think being nice. But we're it, nice. It is, it is that. I, when I got to Toronto, and I say this, Toronto, not Toronto. <laughs> when I got to Toronto, I actually was like telling my best friend who lives there. That's why I went to visit him. And I was like, well, everyone, the, the, the driver, the taxis, everyone, so friendly. But obviously I'm coming from New York to Toronto. So I'm like, I see that difference even more heightened. But uh, it, it's, it's true. I think it's the Canadian spirit. It's, it's the people. Yeah. Uh, it's so, so true. Well, Jen, we'll, we'll, we'll speak very soon. I'm going to definitely pick your brain on the B Corp certification as well. Absolutely. And uh, just keep on, keep on doing you, keep on inspiring. And I can't wait to see Cheekbone Beauty just take over the world. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. 
So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable and Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.